<clears throat> so last week's Hello Fall event at our Wildwood campus was a great success. Thank you all of you who participated. And I have some superlatives, but I've already recognized three amazing things that happened. Three of the life rings that we celebrated earlier were people who came to faith in Christ that night through the Do You Know team that was sharing the gospel with people who were showing up. And so that's super fun. I have a couple superlatives. I want to recognize the Mighty Power Award, the Gaffney family. You guys were amazing. Oh, yeah, here they come. All of them. Let's go. And then uh, I also have the, the Best Hair Award, which goes to Logan Acre for his amazing Bob Ross uh, display. Way to go. Thank you. And then we had uh, two kids who participated in the chili cook-off. They made their own chili, and they finished in third place, and that was the Mark Antuono family, and so we're super excited for them. So I'm going to set this off to the side. We'll uh, make sure to get this to them in two years or so. After we've made some chili of our own, oh, it's super fun. Hey, if you are here this morning for the first time, I want to welcome you as our special guest. My name is Dave. I'm the campus pastor here at our World Golf Village campus. And in the seat backs in front of you, you'll see a connect card. And I'd love for you to grab that and fill it out. When you're done with it this morning, you can put it in one of the boxes in the back of the auditorium. To, uh, Wednesday night, our student ministry was able to pack 120 uh, boxes, Operation Christmas Child boxes. So that was super fun. So we're well on our way to our goal of having 500 boxes packed this year here on this campus. <clears throat> but we could use your help not only in packing your own boxes, but also in helping us get some uh, uh, materials to pack boxes next week at our children's ministry packing party. So there's some information uh, on your seats, there's information out in the lobby, but would you consider uh, going online, helping us uh, purchase some materials that we need to pack boxes next week at our packing party and kids ministry? And uh, if you do that, that would be amazing. Now, grab a Bible, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4, and we're going to keep going in our study of 2 Timothy. Uh, this week, we're going to start in verse 9 of 2 Timothy chapter 4. Make every effort to come to me soon. For Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Pick up Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for service. But Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak which I left at Troas with Carpus and the books, especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Be on guard against him yourself, for he vigorously opposed 
our teaching. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Let's spend just a moment in prayer. Father, I pray that you would open our eyes to see Jesus. In this, your word, Holy Spirit, take from the things that are true of Jesus and make them real to our hearts. And, and Jesus, would you be glorified here in your church in building it, building it up in love so that we might live together in a new community formed of your gospel. To do that, Father, Jesus, send your Holy Spirit and work that work in us, we pray, through Christ our Lord. Amen. I told you a few uh, weeks ago that the Surgeon General this year uh, produced a report on the epidemic of loneliness and isolation in our culture. So I downloaded it this week. And I read it, all 82 pages of this uh, report, the U.S. Surgeon General's Advisory on the Healing Effects of Social Connection and Community. Rightly, the Surgeon General points out some real dangers that are happening in our culture. One of those dangers one of those dangers is that the, num the amount of time that people are spending alone in our culture has gone up by 24 hours per month. So between 2003 and 2020, the number of hours spent alone has gone up 24 hours a month. The amount of time spent and engaged in family social engagement has decreased by five hours a month. So we're spending more time alone and less time with our families. And we're spending less time with our friends. Social engagement with friends has gone down on average 20 hours per month. So the Surgeon General has looked at the data and, and he points out some some very harmful trends that are leading to what he calls this epidemic of loneliness. But he completely misses the solution. I read through this 82 pages and, and I looked for, when is, he gonna, when is he gonna talk about the church? Maybe that was naive on my part. But as I looked through these 82 pages, religion or spirituality or faith-based organizations were mentioned, how many times do you think? Okay, you're uh, more cynical than I am. <laughs> twice, twice in the whole report, uh, religion or, or faith-based organizations are mentioned. Now, no mention of the church, no mention of Jesus, but but only twice. And, and when they get to their dealing with solutions to the problem, the number one solution, according to the report, is government. 
You remember Ronald Reagan, I'm with the government, I'm here to help, run for your life. And then the last thing that they address is the responsibility of individuals. Now there was a time in our culture where that would have been completely inverted. We would have understood our, our personal responsibility to be in community with other people, in families, in friendships, in churches. And we would have looked as a last resort to the safety net of the civil government, but we would have let ourselves in our homes as individuals and families and in communities called the church. I have so much hope in the gospel that we as a church and churches throughout our country can present to a watching world, an isolated, lonely world, something different than what the Surgeon General has to offer. Jesus Christ, through his apostle Paul, says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. All this is from God, who has reconciled us to himself and given to us the ministry of reconciliation. That the church of Jesus Christ has been given the hope of the gospel, and through the gospel we're able to say to people, the solution to our loneliness and the solution to your loneliness comes through the reconciling power of Jesus to bring us and restore us back to our Father in heaven and then to reconcile us and restore us to relationships within the church which is called the ministers, the ministry and the ministers of reconciliation. Now when we come to this passage in 2 Timothy chapter 4, I was honestly shocked by what I found. As I studied the passage this week, I was shocked because we've been studying the books of 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy all year. And we've been listening to Paul tell Timothy how critical he is to the life of the church in Ephesus. How necessary his ministry of teaching and preaching and building up and making disciples is to this church at Ephesus. That without Timothy stepping up and setting aside his youthfulness and setting aside his timidity and setting aside his illnesses and believing the gospel for something greater in his life and in the life of the Ephesians, Paul has been encouraging Timothy for all these chapters. And then we come to verse 9, and Paul says, Drop everything and come to Rome. Drop everything. Timothy, I need you. What we're going to learn in this passage is two things. We are needy, and we are needed. We all need help. We all need help, and we're all needed 
to give help. This is how the community is restored. We're all needy. We all need help. This last week I was on, uh, Sue Ellen and I were down in Fort Lauderdale at a conference and, and we were there all week and we stayed at this hotel in Fort Lauderdale and at the end of the week we had to check out of the hotel uh, before we went to the conference for the last day. And so we had a lot of stuff. I and mean, we took our coffee maker because I needed coffee and it was so much less expensive than buying coffee in the hotel. So we took our coffee maker and clothes and all these things. So we had a lot of stuff. And so I went down to the front desk and I said, hey, could I take one of the carts to go up and pack up all my stuff and bring it down to my car? And they said, no. I said, what do you mean, no? He said, well, those are only for our uh, staff, but if you'd like for me to send someone up to your room to help you, I'd be happy to do that. Well, no, that's okay. So up, back up to the room I went without the cart. Now, many times in our marriage, this would have led to a discussion. <laughs> uh, but between the lobby and our, in our hotel room on the sixth floor, the Holy Spirit gave me repentance and fresh faith to admit just how needy I actually am. So when I got back to the room, I called the front desk and I said, listen, would you send the card up with the guy to help me pack up my stuff and get it down to the car? So down, up he came, we packed up the stuff, down the elevator, got the car, loaded up the stuff. And then God said, your repentance isn't quite done. So I told the guy, I said, listen, I need to apologize to you. He said, well, why is that? I said, well, I really didn't want to ask you for help. And I need to ask forgiveness because I'm a follower of Jesus. And my whole life is built upon the fact that Jesus Christ did something for me that I could never do for myself. And I should be the first person to admit how much I need help. But I just did not want to ask you for help. And I'm sorry. Now, the conversation didn't go any further than that. He just sort of stared at me. Um, but isn't it hard for all of us to admit just how much we need help? I mean, aren't you like me? I mean, it's just hard to ask for help. And yet, we all need help. We all need help. Look at verse 10. We all need help. Because we live in a sin-scarred world with sin-scarred people. For Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. So Paul feels deserted, abandoned. Demas having loved this present world, has deserted me. Demas is an interesting case study in life together. Demas reveals just how much we need Jesus because we're sin-scarred and we live in a sin-scarred world. In Philemon, in the book of Philemon, 
which was written around 60 AD, Paul speaks of Demas, and in that letter, Paul says of Demas in Philemon 1, verse 24, maybe we have it, here we go, as do Mark, Erastarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow workers. So at one time, Demas was described by Paul as a fellow worker. He was a gospel partner. Maybe he was involved in the kids' ministry. Maybe he was involved in the worship ministry. But he was a fellow worker with Paul in the gospel. In this, around the same time, something happened with Demas. And we're told in Colossians 4, Luke, the beloved physician, sends you his greetings and also Demas. So something has happened. Demas has gone from being on the inside, central to the work of ministry, the fellow worker, to being also. He's moved, and he's moved in such a way that his heart has now become open to becoming distracted by the world so that five years later, He'll say, Paul will say, Demas has loved this present world and deserted me. We all need help because we, like Demas, are sin-scarred, and we, like Demas, live in a sin-scarred world that can easily draw our hearts away from a pure and simple devotion to Jesus. We all need help. We all need help because we all need help because we've been given a huge mission by Jesus. Paul mentions several other workers, and he doesn't say anything negative about them in verse 10. He talks about Crescens, who's gone to Galatia. He talks about Titus, who's gone to Dalmatia. Later in the same paragraph that I read, he says that Tychicus, I have sent to Ephesus. We all need help. We all need help because we have a big mission. And we're always sending people out to accomplish the task of getting the gospel to the nations. Maybe you're in a small group. Maybe you're in a small group, and, and as your small group begins to grow, eventually, you get that fateful call from Parker, and Parker says that dreaded M word, multiplication. It's time to send some of the people from your small group out to start a new small group. We don't like that. We don't like saying goodbye to, to our friends in our small group. We don't like sending people out, but we have a big mission. There's more people to make room for in the church and in small groups, and so it's good to send people out. And all it does is reveal just how needy we really are. I was speaking to a missionary recently, and, and they were telling me how many times over the years they have found themselves in airports weeping because they were saying goodbye to someone or somewhere 
and moving to places to do things in the kingdom, to do things to build the church, but leaving and sending is always hard. And it reveals just how needy we really are. We're needy because we have a big mission. And finally, this passage reveals that we are needy. We are needy because we do have an enemy. Verse 14, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Be on guard against him yourself, for he vigorously opposed our teaching. We're all needy because we do have an enemy. We do have an enemy, and at times we experience the hostility that comes against Jesus and against the church, sometimes from within, sometimes by friendly fire, and sometimes from outside the church it comes. Dan Allender wrote a really helpful book. It's fairly lengthy, but it's very, very helpful. And in it, he talks about three different kinds of people that we all deal with. We all deal with run-of-the-mill sinners. And when we interact with other sinners in a sin-scarred world, it reveals just how much we need Jesus. Other times, we interact with foolish people. Maybe Demas was just a foolish person who forgot about the beauty and glory of Jesus and drifted away like a lost sheep. But sometimes, Allender says, we deal with wicked people. Wicked people like Alexander. And when we deal with wicked people, we need the grace to admit our neediness in creating boundaries to safeguard ourselves and them from doing more harm to the church and to us and to them. So in the passage, we've seen so far that we're needy. We're needy. We all have needs because we live in a sin-scarred world and we ourselves are sin-scarred people, like Demas. We're needy because we have a big mission of getting the gospel to the nations, and so we're always sending people out, and that makes us needy. And we're needy. We're needy because we have an enemy. And he would love to do us harm, and so we're needy. We need to be reminded again and again and again of Jesus and the gospel so that we can, by his grace, put boundaries around those people who would seek to do us harm and not continue to fall into the same patterns of relationship that uh, would do us harm and do them harm. So we're needy. Now I told you the second thing that we're going to learn in the passage is that we're also needed. We're also needed. We're needed to give help. We're needed to give help. Look at verse 11. We're needed. Only Luke is with me. Only Luke is with me. We're needed. 
We're needed in the body of Christ to be together. To be together. I've been reading through the Bible this year, and, and in my Bible reading plan, a group of us, we've been reading through the Bible together, and we, I came with them to the book of Job. And in the book of Job, I was so encouraged for a, for a week. For a week, Job's friends are awesome. For seven days, for seven days, they come to Job and they sit with him, and Job chapter 2 says they were of great help to him. And do you know what they did? They just sat there and didn't say a thing. And then for the rest of the book, they start talking. And it ruins everything. But for one week, they're just with Job. Just like Luke was with Paul. Never underestimate the power of presence. Never underestimate the impact of simply being with people. Being together. Showing up. In fact, showing up in life and ministry is half the battle. For many years in my, on my desk, I had a bulletin board over my desk, and on it, there's a simple piece of paper, and it says, be there when they're hurting, to remind me of the power of presence, that half the work of life and the body as needed people is just showing up to be with people when they're hurting. Luke is with me. Luke Verse 11 goes on, pick up Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for service. So not only are we needed just to be with one another, we're also needed for service. And that word for service is the word diakonos. It's the word that comes into the English language as deacon an officer in the church who serves. It's the most common word used in the New Testament to describe people who are involved in ministry. It's used 30, over 30 times, 34 times in 32 verses in the New Testament, and it's not found at all in the Old Testament Greek translation of the Bible. So what happened? God the Son happened. He took on flesh. And he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And when the church looked at Jesus and modeled their life after Jesus, they began to serve one another. And so throughout the, the New Testament, this word, diakonos, is translated Ministry, 19 times it's translated ministry. Seven times it's translated service, as it is in this passage. So Mark is an interesting case study. Demas, Demas is an example to us of a sort of cautionary tale of how much we need Jesus. But Mark is an interesting case study because Mark kind of goes the opposite direction than Demas does. 
Acts tells us that there was a time when Mark was engaged in the missionary journeys of Paul, but then for some reason he falls out of favor with Paul, and so much so that Paul and his missionary companion Barnabas decide to separate and go their separate ways because they can't agree on Mark. But Mark didn't give up. He didn't give up on Jesus, and Jesus didn't give up on him. And so when Paul is in need in Rome, he says, pick up Mark. I don't know about you, but that's super encouraging to me because it tells me it doesn't matter where you start, it's where you finish. Listen, you may get out of the blocks very poorly in the Christian life. You may fail the first few times you try to do ministry for Jesus, share your faith, or get involved in a small group or a local church. It may be hard at first, but don't give up because Paul points to Mark, who at one time had trouble in the church, as an example of what can happen when we don't give up, but we keep reminding ourselves we're needed. And he says, bring Mark, because I need his gifts. I need him to help in the service that's necessary here. And what kind of service is needed to Paul? And what kind of service is needed in the local church, and what kind of service is needed in the community? Well, we follow Jesus' example. Jesus is our model, and Jesus models word and deed ministry. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, we read this. Jesus was going throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, there's the word ministry, and proclaiming the good news, the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. There's the deed ministry. And so Jesus models perfect service that includes both word and deed. And the church, as his body, needs all of the gifts of the body to be able to do both word ministry and deed ministry. Now look at the deed ministry that Paul needs. We're all needed in the body of Christ because some of us are needed to do deed ministry. Paul says, when you come, Timothy, stop and pick up the cloak. Our physical needs matter. Our physical needs matter, and some of us are uniquely gifted by God to provide for the physical needs of people within the, the church and the community by providing cloaks, by providing jackets, by providing clothing, by providing food, by providing shelter for people. Others of us are gifted in word ministry. And so Paul says to Timothy, as you're going, coming to see me, pick up the cloaks, pick up Mark, but also pick up the books and the parchments, the Word of God. Pick up the Bible and bring the Word with you so that I might find 
comfort in the midst of my suffering here in Rome. And we need the same thing. We need the comfort that comes from the Bible. Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book says this, Life, Life Together, he says this, Therefore the Christian needs other, another Christian who speaks God's word to him. He needs him again and again when he becomes uncertain and discouraged for by himself he cannot help himself without belying the truth. He needs his brother man as a bearer and proclaimer of the divine word of salvation. We're needy and we're needed. Now the point and the action step that I want you to remember this week is that I have so much hope. I have so much hope because the church is the solution to this Surgeon General's report. The church is the solution to our own sense of loneliness. The church is the solution to our own sense of neediness. And the church is the solution to that truth deep inside every single one of our hearts that we're not only needy, we're needed. And so, I have so much hope for you and for me, needy, needed people. Because when you're alone, when you're alone, Jesus Christ provides himself and his body, the church. When you're alone, Jesus provides for your neediness and Jesus provides opportunity for you to be needed in his body, the local church. And so I have hope. Now, how do you get into this? And how does it get into you? Well, you have to know the gospel. You have to know the gospel. The power of the gospel is the thing that can enable you to admit your neediness and step into your neededness within the body of Christ. And only the gospel can do it. In Romans 5, verse 6, in Romans 5, verse 6, we're told, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. That's the New Living Translation. While we were still helpless. Helpless is neediness on a whole different scale. Helpless is what we all were before we met Jesus, before Jesus came as our rescuer. But Christ has come. And the bad news of the gospel is that we're helpless, but that Jesus Christ, our Savior, has come. God didn't send an inspired rabbi to tell us how we could save ourselves. God sent his Son as a Savior to save sinners when we could do nothing to save ourselves Jesus Christ did it for us. The Amplified Translation tells us more. While we were still helpless, powerless to provide for our salvation. That's the bad news. But the good news is this. At the right time, Christ died as a substitute for the ungodly. 
Jesus Christ lived the life that we should have lived, and having racked up a record of righteousness for us, he goes to the cross, and on the cross, God took all of our sin, and he put it on Jesus. And the strong one, Jesus, became helpless under the wrath and penalty due us for our sin, so that by his blood he could forgive us, and having forgiven us, he could credit to us his record of righteousness that he had racked up for us. So that now, when we believe in Jesus, we're forgiven and we're declared righteous. We're given the status of sons. And we're given the gift of the Holy Spirit and gifts for ministry in the body, the church. And we're given all of this by grace. All you need is need. All you need is nothing. Have you ever, with the empty hand of faith, like a beggar reaching out to receive a gift from a king, have you ever reached out to Jesus to receive this free gift of salvation? Won't you? Won't you admit, Jesus, I, I have nothing, I'm helpless. Jesus, I believe you did it all. Help! Jesus, come into my life as Savior and Lord. Help me become the person you want me to be. And if you have, if you've received that free gift, then Jesus says, you're now a part of his church. And in the church, you're both needy and needed. Now let me give you a few questions to think about this week. Maybe in your small groups, maybe just in your own personal reflection, but let me give you a few questions to think about. Are there ways you need help and you've been hesitant to ask? Are there ways you need help and you've been hesitant to ask? Ask! Is there a mark in your life who you might have discounted in the past, but whose ministry you now need to receive? Do, do you have an Alexander in your life who, need, who you need to create healthy boundaries from? Who are the Lukes? Who are the Lukes in your life? People who just show up and are with you. Who's a Timothy in your life? who you could call, and, and he would drop everything and come to help. What would need to happen in your life in order for you to become a Luke or a Mark or a Timothy in the life of others? Or how could you be sent like Titus or Crescens or Tychicus? What would happen in our church and what could happen in our community if this week more and more of us discovered, I'm needy, Jesus, help, he will. And what would happen this week if more and more of us found out that because of Jesus, we're needed, 
that there's a place for all of us in the ministry, the service, the diaconus of the local church. There's a place for you. Get involved. Get plugged in. You're needy and you're needed in the body of Christ. Let's pray. Jesus, help. Jesus, help. And Jesus, move in that we might become helpers. Jesus, we're needy and we're needed in the local church. And, and we thank you for the hope of the gospel. And Jesus, if there's any here that, that you're drawing to yourself this morning, would you enable them by your Holy Spirit to say to you now, just where they're seated, Jesus, I admit to you that I've sinned against you in many ways, and I'm sorry. Jesus, I believe that you lived the life I should have lived, and you died the death I deserve to die. Jesus, come into my life as Savior and Lord, and, and help me become the person you want me to be. And Jesus, I pray that by your grace, we might all experience this week the power of the gospel that would make us both needy and needed in your church. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.